It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm so excited this week. I actually have a fun match planned for three rounds of golf with my closest friends, and it's one of my favorite things to do, so I'm so excited for that this week. Wish me luck. I'll let you know how it all ends up. Now, I would like to say, you know, golf shouldn't always be played, just become a player or a professional golfer, and there are so many great things to take away from the game that can help anyone succeed in life, no matter what they do. So today we have the privilege of listening to someone I've seen grow from a junior golfer to a working professional, Kimberly Liu. You're asking how golf kind of shaped my life and what I do today. Um, In my job right now, I I pull very, very long hours, right? Where I put my heart and my soul into my work and it's physical, mental, everything, because I need to be in good shape to be able to do my job. I need to make sure that I'm studying and making sure I, I understand all my information that I need to do my job. And all of that comes from the same work ethic that I pulled from golf. Kimberly was a dedicated junior golfer who went on to play Division One college golf. And most recently, she stepped away from competitive golf to start her new career in the Air Force. I think you're going to love this episode. She's got quite the story and a lot of things to share with us. So make sure you have a pen and paper ready. There's going to be some good notes to be taken. And she just has the most wonderful personality. And I think you're just going to love every minute of this episode. So I look forward to talking with her today. Okay, so Kimberly, I am so happy to have you here on the Raising Golfers podcast. We've known each other for so long. And it is a true pleasure to have you here today. So thank you for taking out your time of the day to join us on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm really excited. And I don't even remember how long we've known each other. It's been, it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. You know, I can tell you, I first met you in 2012 at Los Positas. And I remember you from the first time I met you. And I remember you because of many things, but they're all good things. But I just remember you as a junior golfer. And not only were you always having fun at Las Positas, but you were particular about practicing quite hard and spending time, you know, even like lining up your putts and doing things like I didn't even do in my practice and I probably should have. seeing you out there and like you know you would practice hard but then like when the other kids would show up or the other juniors from the program you would just like stop and play like a putting game with them or whatever jump out and play nine holes but you were on a mission and today's <laughs> podcast is going to be about more of we're gonna talk about your journey but we're gonna talk about where else golf can take you in life not just that it all has to be golf absolutely L- let's talk about 2012 so like how fond are your memories of being a junior golfer at that time and like particularly at Los Positas and that that environment that you're in? Yeah, no, I, I loved my junior golf career and I love like those memories I treasure so much. 
I don't know if I necessarily wish I could go back because my life is great now, but those are memories I will always hold. I'm still friends with all those people. Um, I know I can pick up the phone and call them and if they can help me, they will, they will absolutely help me. It's, uh, it's these lifelong relationships and these friendships that are so much pure that you just hold on forever. I don't know how else to explain it. Like, it's just, honestly, I'm like smiling right now. Like, it's like, like, I loved it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It absolutely has made me into who I am today. So when you would go to Las Positas and practice, like, were you going there because it was the best golf course you could practice at? Or do you think you were going there more for that? It was this environment where you knew people, you knew the, the kids that would show up, you knew the golf pros, you knew the coaches. Like, why, why did you choose to continue to go there and practice? Yeah, absolutely. So first they had a good practice facility where it was specifically grass. I couldn't hit it to the end of the range at that time. Right. Um, and absolutely, like I, my friends were there and I was able to practice with them and actually get a good practice in. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't messing around in the sense of, of course, we socialized, we had fun, but at the end of the day, we could sit next to each other in practice and actually work on our games, which I think is really important because, you know, golf requires a lot of work, right? Of course, it's, you know, it's fun, it's play, but at the end of the day, you got to score, right? So um, that community, definitely, it was just very, very supportive. Everyone was rooting for each other, even if they were in the same age group and actually competing against each other, they were happy for each other because at the end of the day, we're all friends. Yeah, I would say like, and I would say you particularly, because you were older than some of the other kids and there were some that were older right. than you, but I kind of saw you as like this young mentor because, you know, you know, we were just talking about Leland. He was a student of mine. He was in the junior golf program. And I just remember like, it didn't matter what age that you, you guys were. Like if let's just say you were 14, you had no problem playing games with a seven or eight year old. And like, there was no, like nobody was stuck up or chin up or anything about it. It was just like, you guys are almost like this like family and like you could just all play golf together, play games together and have fun doing it. I just thought that was so cool to watch. And and, and I know that you were like, I just know you had this mentor role early on. And I'm sure that's carried over through your years through high school, college, and even to <laughs> which we'll get into. But I, I just thought that was so cool. So it's so right. So looking back on that, is there, was there like a like a certain lesson or some kind of turning point in your early junior golf that you might remember, whether it could have been something that was fun or something that was technical or anything that maybe that you have a fond memory of like a specific lesson or something, maybe one of your coaches told you at some point. I'm going to be honest. I don't have a specific, like, I'm going to be honest. I feel old right now. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't have a specific, I don't have a specific memory, but like of like oh this is when you know my golf game got revolutionized because of course that happens over time right but I do remember specific memories of being with my friends and playing these specific games and when I won those specific games of course right or if you know they happened to beat me or when Leland happened to beat me in a putting contest like wow I really got to practice because this seven-year-old with a you know cut down Scotty Cameron just whooped me so <laughs> So um, I just, I, 
like I'll still go back to like the Chans or some of my friends and be like remember that time when blah 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 like this happened like oh yeah I remember that like that was crazy and yeah and so it's uh we still I mean like I said I hold those memories so dear to my heart you know we're gonna kind of fast forward but relate to that do you think that environment helped spring you forward through high school golf and then into division one golf yeah absolutely it it motivated me it made me love the game just that much more of course you have the love for the game itself but having that kind of environment of course is going to help foster that it's a positive environment if anything right it gives you you know all those positive reinforcements all those positive you know dopamine whatever whatever you want to call it as opposed to having a negative experience every time you step on the golf course of course it's going to help foster it a little mm. bit and i'm sure we're going to get into that more so i don't want to steal yeah. your thunder <laughs> yeah. uh, you know we i talked about this like a few minutes ago and i was saying you know you were always on this like i felt you were on this mission you're so motivated and i know that parents are such an important role and i think parents are often overlooked in the development of a junior golfer and i know your parents had a big influence on you and your golf but the interesting thing was and this isn't a bad thing and actually i think there's probably a lot of good behind this it wasn't that your parents were always out there watching you practice. I remember you out there practicing, you know, whether it was by yourself or just with the other junior golfers, but it wasn't that they were standing there watching. It wasn't there that they were commenting on, you know, what you were doing. So they, they must have had a lot of trust in you at an early age and your personality. But what was it that was motivating you? Like, how does somebody at your at, at that age get so motivated and build so much trust within their parents and family as well like tell me about maybe your relationship with your parents and, and how that all came about my parents or at least my dad purposely said this is your thing we know nothing about golf and they're not they didn't even pretend like they did like my bad my dad was a basketball player growing up right and it's funny that you say that you know they weren't at the golf course that much because you're right they weren't they were work they were both working very very hard to be able to support you know, my golf, because it's clearly, it's very, very expensive, right? So they were always working, they would drop me off at the course, thankfully, it was a safe place of like, here's, here's your phone, stay safe, call me. But they, they knew their place and their love and their support of my dreams and my hobbies and what I wanted to do to like finance it, emotionally support it, you know, if I had a bad day, or if I, you know, had a bad round, of course, I'd come home like, oh, my gosh, I played so bad. And they're like, all right, let's, you know, what happened? Like, let's, let's talk about it. So that kind of nurturing environment, I believe, is so much more important. And it also builds a lot of independence, because I essentially had to take ownership of my game, where I can't run, to, I can't, I literally cannot run to my parents to ask for help, because they don't know, right? So you asked uh, what motivated me to um, to practice so hard then, right? If my parents weren't there, it, it just comes down to, I love the game. I still love the game. I've always loved the game. I, I don't know what it was. It was just something about it that I really connected to. And I think one of my coaches later on put it in the best words where golf is the one sport when you're on the course is between you and the golf course. A lot of other sports, you can blame the referees, you're the teammates, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, if you hit a bad shot and you know what you did, like you can make as many excuses as you, as you want. But on the inside, you know that that's on you. And so that makes 
the highs and the successes really, really sweet, but that also makes the defeats. And when you mess up, it makes it so personal. Like, it's of like, course. I don't know what yeah. it is. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if, 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 if you make a mistake, it is, uh, unfortunately, it is us that, you know, it's you that made the mistake, right? Like you said, I think right. you put it perfectly right. And I think that's great. So, uh, you know, that's really well said. And I think it's so fascinating. So it must have been at home as well. You must have had this very open and kind of like safe communication as well with your parents that you could come home and even just say like, I didn't play well today. And like, you know, it sounds like your parents must have just been like, like they're so supportive. And would, would they ask you questions or t- tell me a little bit more about those kind of conversations you come home, especially since your parents didn't know much about golf, but they knew how to support you. Right. So I never felt like I couldn't tell my parents, you know, that I played bad on the course. They could see, they could probably see it in the score. Like it, there's really not a ton of hiding it. And my dad would actually, both my parents, my dad and my mom would come out and watch tournaments. So they're, you know, make no mistakes. Parents are watching the body language. They can tell when you slam a club, right? Of course. So regardless of whether I played good or not, my dad and I kind of had a pact, like regardless of how I played, at this tournament, after the tournament, on the way home, we're gonna stop at an Olive Garden because I love their breadsticks, right? Or we're gonna, <laughs> we're still like, it does not matter how I play. We're still gonna have a good time. It's like, like that daddy daughter time that I, I love those memories so much. It's like it's, it was kind of like our thing of like, all right, let's go get some ice cream or boba or you know, right? Like, that's um, so cool. So even when I was like unfortunately like in tears or whatever like we would still go do that so it 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 shows that kind of unconditional love of it's not result oriented regardless of course there's always right of course there's always that other side of like okay you know we can't always coddle the kid right there's always that other side but um but my parents knew that I was hard on myself enough that they were like all right you know it's not the end of the world let's let's go eat let's go home let's talk about it so over the dinner we would also talk about the round how many my stats how many three putts what happened here what was your decision making here so that's cool I mean I think you know when you say that to me what it tells me is like you could go into I mean maybe you didn't feel this way but just because I know you know we all want to strive to be better and better and better but having that type of support and knowing that you're going to Olive Garden and do the same thing and have that family time afterwards, regardless of the score, it kind of can give you some confidence where you don't have to necessarily worry about how today is going to go to another extent. Sure. You're, you're going to be nervous on the first tee. Sure. You want to do well, but if knowing that afterwards you have this positive event, that's going to happen. And it's something you can always look forward to regardless of good or bad. And even if it's if it's good, I'm sure there's great celebrations of it. And even if it's bad, it's like sometimes you can probably even forget about that round and, and just enjoy the moment that you're there eating food that you like, being with your parents and just, you know, having normal conversations. So I think that's so cool. And I didn't know this about you or about your story with your parents. And I, I think that like there's some really good things for listeners to take away from what you just shared there. And that's from you as a player, and that's not even as a parent, but what you remember your parents did. So that's really cool. So we're going to now fast forward a little bit. You were, and still are, a very good golfer. You were able to play high school golf competitively, and you got into a Division One college university to play college golf, which is very, very cool. Now, 
I've talked to other people about the recruitment process, but I want to know more about your feelings and your thoughts on the college golf team. So freshman year hits, you leave high school, go to college. What surprised you the most about your freshman year and playing college golf? Like maybe it was something that you didn't know or expect might happen or feel in that first year. So, you know, share a little bit about the first year and and how it's different than maybe what you thought it was going to be. Sure, sure. And I'm I'm going to be brutally honest in in this section. Um, Do it. My first year. So when I got got recruited to play for the University of San Francisco, I was so excited. I got a scholarship. I was ready. Um, and when I got there, I didn't play the first year. As in, I didn't play in a tournament. I didn't qualify for the traveling team because as um, as a lot of teams do it, um, you'll have some kind of qualifier, whether it's five rounds, six rounds or whatever. And, you know, however, it's just the coach decides to pick that who get, that's who gets to travel. And, you know, the other three to four players are back home, essentially on the bench. So I right. was on the bench for a while. And um, I don't want to say that was surprising, but I didn't expect it. Right. Absolutely. And it was it was pretty devastating, of course, because, of course, I'm competitive. Everyone wants to play. Everyone wants to travel but I was not playing well. I was not shooting the scores. And like I said earlier in golf, the scores don't lie. You either shoot it or you don't. Um, So that was a really, really big growing process of like, you know, who am I? What am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? You know, how'd you do it? Did you do it by yourself or did you, did you seek help from some of the coaches or some of the older players? Like, how did you, because a lot of people would just give up and quit. Not everybody, and especially not you, but <laughs> I can understand how that would be difficult mentally, especially, you know, coming out of your junior golf career, you've had a lot of success. So, and you did come out of it. So who helped you? How'd, how'd you get through that? For sure, without a doubt, would be my coach, Noah Montgomery. He was my uh, personal swing mental life coach, essentially, uh, when I entered college, um, and also my dad. Um, and of course, my family and friends that, you know, were always supporting me, but those two really helped me through the hardest of times because it was, like you said, it was, it was a really big shock and it was, it was, it's not, it's really not fun playing bad weekend and week out, not qualifying. And so both Noah and my dad, especially since Noah was a newer voice in my, in my life at the time, he really showed me the way of how to handle failure, how to handle success, how that kind of failure doesn't define you as a person. It doesn't define your worth as a person, you know, disconnecting yourself from the results, of course, working hard to fix it. Right. But that was a really long and tedious process. And he, like, he talked to me almost every day, trying to reinforce these good thought patterns because your thoughts are so important to you. Right. And just uh, was relentless. So, though, like, I would say the unconditional support from both those two figures, as long, again, uh, again, with my other families and friends, I never want to dis, uh, disregard them. But just knowing that they always had my back really, um, really meant a lot to me. That's cool. Well, you obviously came out of it. I mean, I'm looking at your stats here from senior year and says oh, that you had a stroke <laughs> average. Your stroke average from the events that you played in that year was 76.4, which is pretty good 
for college golf. And I'm sure you're thinking, gosh, it could have been better, right? We all think that. Yeah. Golfers, right? I mean, every day we walk away, it's like, oh, I, I, I left five strokes out there, right? But, but I mean, an average of 76.4, I mean, that's that's impressive, right? And, you know, you were able to play in a number of events and, you know, you, you played golf through your entire, you know, college career, right? And right. it's amazing that you're able to get through that. And it, it obviously having a good coach is important. It's important to have that person on the team as well as supportive parents. There's a lot of people that go into it. And it sounds like at the time and at the moment, the way you just described your coach there and how he helped you and just kind of reset your thinking process was vital to getting you to get where you got, right? And, you know, going back to what I said is like, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have persevered through that. You know, a lot of people would have given up, quit and like, I know your personality uh, and I, I, I can't imagine you doing that. And obviously you didn't, but that, that, that must've been, you know, I'm sure there must've been so many like learning lessons that you had along the way. And like, I'm sure a lot of them was like hands in the, over the head, you know, there might've been some tears and thoughts, right. You know, you know, I, you know, I, I mean, trust me, I've had these with, with just not just with golf, but also with life. Right. And there's a lot of ups right. and downs, but. I just think that's so cool, Kimberly. That's that's very impressive. So, if you could sum up your college career and give some advice or recommendations for aspiring college players, what would you tell somebody who's wants to play college golf? Uh, let's say they're maybe a junior in high school now. What, what kind of advice would you give them to best prepare them for that next step? So, I would say two things. First be on top of your stuff. College golf is a lot more than just playing golf. It's about managing your time. It's about long days, you know, 6 a.m. or 6.30 workouts, you know, class, practice, homework at night, bed by 11, get up, do the same thing the next day. Um, it's a grind. It, it really is a grind, especially mid, mid-season. You can definitely feel it. It is a grind. And if you're not academically eligible, if your grades drop, you can't even play. So then you're useless to the team anyways, right? So it it is so much more about time management and keeping up with the stuff. And the best players could do that, right? Because it makes their life a lot easier. The second thing I would say is, I would add actually two more things. The second thing I would say is learn to enjoy the game for sure, because if you don't enjoy the game in the process, then everything is just going to be miserable. Like I said, it's all a grind. And when you're playing bad and life sucks, the life is going to suck, right? Like it's, uh, it's, there's so many ups and downs and you're not always going to play well. So if you're miserable the entire time, you're not playing well, then, you know, it's going to be a rough go. And I would say the last thing is be, be purposeful about practice is what I would say. Um, I, I know you mentioned in junior golf that you saw me, you know, having a little bit more intention with, you know, what I wanted to do with my putting drills and being very particular. Um, and my coach, Noah Montgomery, definitely sharpened that and really, really kicked me in the butt about being, okay, sure, you're doing a pre-shot routine every time that you're setting up to a putt but what are you actually thinking about? Are you looking at your line? You know, what, so being super, super particular about that stuff, because if you practice how you're going to play, 
then when you play, it's no big deal. First of all, awesome advice. I loved all three of those things there. And I think that's coming from an expert and that's just not an expert in college golf, but that's just an expert in playing the game of golf for a long time and learning along the way. And I find it very interesting. And like you said, that point where it's like, I, what I saw, you know, outside of you practicing, I was thinking that you were already there. And what your coach found out was that you were doing a lot of great things, but it still wasn't necessarily connecting with playing golf on the golf course especially in a tournament. Right. And Absolutely. so like that, that, you know, what I'm hearing from you is that sounds very important to be able to do and change because I'll admit, I remember when I was playing high school golf and I was trying to get on a college golf team, I was so far from doing that. Like in my practice, <laughs> like you, it was like, I remember like my senior year, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm good. And you know, I'm a plus one handicap, you know, I, I can go out and shoot even par a couple under, no, you know, no problem go to the range, hit a few balls. And my buddy comes up and says, Hey, we're teeing off in 10 minutes. I'll be like, all right, yeah, I just pick my bag and leave, you know, right. but there was no purpose or, you know, I, I didn't know that stuff. And again, it sounds like you were able to surround yourself with, with the right people to even help somebody like you, who was in my mind so far ahead of, <laughs> uh, of the game. And like, I, you impressed me, you know, every time I saw you come out to the golf course and just your demeanor and everything. And even then it goes to show you how important some of those other things and how sometimes as a player, you don't even see that. And that's why you need somebody to come and watch you. Right. And that's why you need somebody to come talk to you. Uh, and whether it's a coach, whether it's a parent, whether it's a teammate, it could be anybody, right. right? You look at right, touring, right. you know, like Steve Stricker, I know he like, he helps a ton of guys about putting and he was on the PGA tour forever. Right? You know, it's like, <laughs> this you know but just those extra set of eyes so that's that's cool i really liked hearing that so i want to talk to you about one thing that you kind of brought up about the ups and downs how do you like keep the process in mind so what i mean by that is like okay here's my goals here's where i want to go there's a bunch of ups and downs along the way but like how do you almost like blind or kind of like tune out some of those bad rounds and just understand that it's part of the process. Like, is there something you talk to yourself about or how do you stay motivated to get through that? Like, was there anything you did? So I don't know if I want to say tune out the bad rounds because sometimes the bad rounds are indicative of what you need to be working on. So Mm. for me, a lot of times my bad rounds were um, maybe my head was not in the right place. I was not thinking the right thoughts. I was giving into, you know, the nerves, et cetera. So those are good indicators of, you know, where you're on the line are along the way but I think what you're talking about is you know the long run of course you know end goal this is where I want to be and understanding that you're not always going to be perfect right and that you're not always going to do things right but my coach always taught me you know baby steps along the way you know celebrate those little successes and understand those failures are like you said part of the process you're obviously it's not a straight line like I know we all wish it was but it so is not (laughs) right so definitely just um, I think having that understanding and giving yourself that grace really helps Um, and I'm still learning that absolutely even in my own career so no that's good no I like that yeah so you played four years of college golf I want to I'm actually I'm going to kind of ask a question i don't know if it's too early because we're going to get into a little bit of what you're doing now but sure. the premise of this episode and why i want you to come on is is 
how has golf shaped you into the person that you are and what you're doing day in and day out and then how that shaped you into your decisions where you are professionally right which is such a big question because all i have to say is like yes like absolutely (laughs) golf has definitely changed my life for the better it's helped me make a lot of my life decisions that scholarship to college because of golf really really helped so that you know i got a great education graduated with a, a pretty good gpa and that helped me get you know my next couple of jobs and even into the um and even into my job now. And so you're asking how golf kind of shaped my life and what I do today. Um, In my job right now, I I pull very, very long hours, right? Where I put my heart and my soul into my work and it's physical, mental, everything, because I need to be in good shape to be able to do my job. I need to... um, make sure that I'm studying and making sure I I understand um, all my information that I need to do my job. And all of that comes from the same work ethic that I pulled from golf, hmm. like hands down. So for me, these long days, I didn't even realize I was conditioning myself to be okay waking up early. Of course, it's still painful. Like no one knows that more than I do. But, you know, uh, you know, when I was first starting my job, getting up at zero four hundred in the morning or four o'clock in the morning you know every single day or for you know five days a week um you know i can't tell you how many times we did that to go to a tournament make a tea time mm-hmm. right and it's mm-hmm. again it's still painful but it's it's not the end of the world right um so that kind of work ethic that discipline of doing it every day i practiced every day forever and I didn't realize that was abnormal, to be honest. It was just something that I did, right? Like this is golf in a sense was my job and was my life. And right now I have another job in my own life and that's just to be expected. What are you doing now? um, So so I joined the Air Force after college. I'm a second lieutenant in the Air Force, uh, the United States military. I'm active duty, thank you. Um, it is, it was a big change, (laughs) right? Obviously going from golf, uh, to military life. Um, so yeah, that, that explains the long days, the waking up early and yeah. That's very interesting. And, you know, I, I could be wrong, but when I first heard that you had joined the air force, my first thought was that makes so much sense because really, yes, (laughs) I never would have guessed that you would have joined the Air Force. But when, again, going back to your work ethic, your personality, you know, okay, you know, always so, always so bright, always working so hard, always passionate, uh, mentor to other people and like all of those things. Then, you know, I see you join the Air Force and I'm like, that to me is like my, I thought about then I was like, that's like almost like I see it as like this perfect stepping stone for you from like going from (laughs) golf and you know, the the golf life that you've lived to what you're doing now, because that's what I thought. I thought there's going to be so many things that like relate and like, and how it's like, like you can relate back to, like you said, like four o'clock, you get up for a tournament. Now it's four o'clock. You gotta get up and go to work. You gotta do these things. You gotta train, you know, you, you, you've learned that work ethic through golf and uh, 
I, I just think it's so cool. I, I just thought that was so cool when I saw that. So good for you, Kimberly. Yeah, it's great. Thank you so much. I appreciate so, it. Here's a question that I think everybody would like to hear the answer to. Because when you're young, I was the same. I wanted to be a professional golfer. As parents, you see your kid doing well. You want your kid to be a professional golfer. Is it okay that you didn't become a professional golfer and play on the tour right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. It was um, the decision to not go professional was probably the hardest decision of my life to put competitive golf behind me. It had been at that time, it had been 22 years of my life or 21 years, sorry, excuse me, 12 years of my life. I was 21 at the time. Um, it was so hard because that's all I've done for the last decade. It was your identity, wasn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because so now I'm like, now what? <laughs> like, right, what do course. I do now? So it, it was a very, very difficult one. Um, and again, my coach Noah Montgomery really helped me through it. And he really wanted to look at it for what would be best for me as a person, where my game was at at that time. And understanding that there's just more to life than than golf. Of course, golf is so important. I, I love golf. I still play. That's my getaway. Like, again, it's helped me in my career. It's at like golf has absolutely helped me in my career. That's how I networked. That's how I socialized. But I think I knew I had more to offer as well. I just needed to, someone to open my eyes and realize, okay, there's so many other things and there's so many other ways to make a living and enjoy life. So yeah, it, uh, like I said, it, it was a really big decision, but I'm, I'm really happy where I am now. And I'm really glad that I can enjoy my life now. And I'm super supportive of all my friends that are currently professional and I see them struggle and I see them succeed both sides. And I'm like, you go girl. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well there was a quote from a guy that came out on my podcast and he was one of the, I think it was my second episode, but he was basically speaking to parents and he was saying, you know, what it is you want is you want to be able to play golf with your kids for the rest of your life as an adult. Right. right? So mm -hmm. now let's just say your parents do, I don't know if your parents, do your parents play golf now? No, not no, they at don't. All. Okay. But Still. let's just say you, you have a big network of golf friends, right? you are going to be able to play golf for the rest of your life outside of whatever it is you're doing professionally, right? And you've enjoyed the game all the way up to this point. And, you know, there's going to be another step and stage in your golf, like, uh, where, you know, you might find that you enjoy it even more in the next phase, you know, but you're going to be able to continue to play this game forever and enjoy it forever. And like, sure, you're, you're not competing anymore you can still compete in the future. And there's, there's, there's no doubt about that if that's yeah. what you want to do. Yeah. But even if right. you don't like there's, there's so much positive about the game, even for your future, even if it's not what you're doing professionally. And I just think that's so cool. And I think it's so important because I mean, let's be honest, the amount of people that succeed professionally, I mean, it's like, what's the percentage? Like it's like less than, it's probably like the 1%, right? It's the one percent, if, if even. I if, think it's if even, even then. Than that, realistically. So I just think it's so cool for you to like, you know, all these things that you've done along the way, being able to make that identity change. It's it's hard for people for what you were doing. It's hard for people who work professionally. You know, it's like 
a lot of people have a difficult time professionally to change their careers just because that's who everybody knows them as. Right. But you made that decision knowing that that was what's best for you. And I I just think that's so cool. So again, Kimberly, props to you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If people wanted to find out more about, you know, what you've done through college golf and, you know, just to see what you've been doing or what you're up to. Is there anywhere they can find out more information about you? Yeah. I mean, I have my Facebook and I have my Instagram. Um, I can share my handles with you maybe later. And you yeah, can I'll, I can put the, I can put the links in the, in the, sh- in the notes. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. And um, as a term, in terms of like college golf, um, again, I played for the university of San Francisco. I'm sure I'm on the roster a few years back cause I'm old and decrepit now, but uh, my coach, Sarah Dole, out um, at the University of San Francisco. She's still the head coach. Amazing. Loved playing for her. Absolutely. She helped me through a lot of my hard times um, as well. So absolutely loved it. Um, But yeah, no, I'll uh, I'll share that with you. I'm not huge on social media. Um, I just, you know, like looking at memes and stuff, but. (laughs) (laughs) So do I. Those are motivating. They keep keep good laugh going, isn't it? Right. Kimberly, this has been, this, this has been awesome. Like, you know, I learned more about you and just the fact that I was able to reconnect with you to have you here on the podcast and just shared so much gold and insight and some of your thoughts and feelings that all of us have. And like, I think it's important for people to hear stories like yours because everybody can relate, right? It's like when you're in the moment and you're like, you just had a bad round, you always think, oh my God, I'm the worst golfer and nobody plays bad golf like me, you know? But it's like, no, everybody has done that and everybody's had their bad rounds and everybody's had their good rounds. And um, just hearing the process and, you know, your good times, the times you've had to go back to the drawing board, the help that you've had, the support from your parents, all that. I think it's so cool. But what I want from you before I let you go is what advice do you have for adults and adults as coaches and parents and for this podcast? So what advice do you have for adults listening on raising golfers? What would be the last thing you would say? The last thing I would say is develop your child or the players or the kids, whoever it is, develop their love for the game and develop them as people. That in the grand scheme of things is what is more important because if they end if you know if they end up going pro, great. They're still gonna need plenty of life skills, if you will. Travel, you know, pro golf is not easy, it is still a grind, is probably one of the hardest jobs out there, really. Um, they're still going to need to fall back on those life skills and those, the, that characteristic of resiliency and everything. If they don't decide to go pro like me, they're really going to need those life skills <laughs> to really, you know, be able to make a living and, again, deal with life's ups and downs. And so I'm, I'm so, so lucky that my parents really developed me as a person. I had my, you know, my own habits and my own my own characteristics to be able to fall back on when I decided not to go pro. And again, my coach, Noma Montgomery really, really helped me with that and really shaping me to who I am today. And so I'm, I'm always going to be thankful. I'm always going to be grateful for all the help I've gotten. That's great advice. Perfect. Couldn't have summed it up perfectly. So Kimberly, (laughs) um, I, I wish you the best of luck with your professional career, your future, And I want to thank you again for coming on and sharing your story, your experiences with everybody here who listens on the podcast, because I know there's going to be so much for everybody to take away. 
And I'm going to listen back to this. And I know there's even more notes that I need to take down from some of the gold that you shared. So thank you so much for coming on today, Kimberly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, Travis. And it was great to see you again after all these years. It's uh, You're definitely one of the, the friends that I hold very closely as well. Thank you, Kimberly. All right, Kimberly crushed this interview. I was so happy to reconnect with her and learn things about her and her story that I actually never knew. She has so much experience and wisdom to share with all of us and anyone really involved in a junior golfer's journey. I'd say my big takeaway from what she shared was that we have to develop a person and those skills will carry them through life successfully along the way. I just loved everything she had to say, her personality, just the, the happiness she brings to any conversation. She's such a wonderful person. I think there's so much we can learn from her and her journey. And I really look forward to what her future looks like and how she's going to continue to succeed through life. Again, I think that there's so much more that we can get from the game of golf just from having to turn into a competitive or professional golfer. I think there's so many skills that can be gained and learned throughout the journey that can carry us on through life to help us be successful forever. Let me know your thoughts on this interview, any questions you have for me or Kimberly, and look forward to hearing your feedback. If you enjoy listening to our podcast and the information you got from this episode, do us a favor and continue to support us by hitting that subscribe button and giving us a five-star review. Your continued support will help us continue to grow and be able to interview some of the most experienced parents, coaches, and players in the golf industry to help you continue to raise your golfer to their full potential.